Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Today I want to preach to you a subject entitled Predictable Excellence. And you can be seated in God's presence. Thank you for reverencing God's word. Father, for the next few minutes, help me to deliver this word as I believe you have laid it upon my heart. Help it to be effective to the end that you've sent it. To produce fruit unto righteousness and holiness and glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Everybody shout amen. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king <clears throat> thought to set him over the whole realm. I've got a proposition for you this morning based upon this text, and I'll prove it with other references to other passages momentarily. But this is the proposition that when you are predictably excellent, you're also predictably promoted. Let me say that again. When you are predictably excellent, then you are also predictably promoted. Now, Daniel uh, was being promoted because of his excellent spirit. And I'm interested in unpacking that this morning and learning what it means to be predictable in our excellence. Amen? If you're with me, say amen. Alright, so number one, I want to ask a question. What is the place for excellence? Where does this excellence originate? Where, where, where does it live, so to speak? Where, what, what was it about Daniel that made him excellent to the degree that the king would want to promote him over all of his uh, presidents and princes in the land? Was it in his pedigree? Was it in his lineage? No, it wasn't because he was a, actually a foreigner in a strange land. It wasn't because of his lineage. Was it because of his fashion statement that he wore the nicest clothes and everybody took notice because he had an excellent way to present himself uh, outwardly? No, it, it wasn't that even. Was it, a, was it his connections with others? Actually, no, he wasn't even well connected until God uh, made the connections for him in that strange land. So where does this excellent reside and how did it stand out to the king well let me answer the question with a bible verse in the book of proverbs chapter 17 and verse number 27 the bible says he that hath knowledge spareth his words and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit he that hath knowledge spareth his words and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. We learn then from this passage that an excellent spirit starts in the head and the heart or the spirit of man. It's not something external 
or tangible that you can control or manipulate or own. It is something inside of you. And many of you today need to learn the power of maintaining an excellent spirit in the middle of chaos. Or if you're with me, say amen. Uh, there was something about David's, uh, not David, Daniel's attitude. I mean, you think about it. He was in exile, but yet uh, you couldn't keep him down. While everybody else was mully grubbing, whining and complaining about being in exile, here come, uh, uh, here come Daniel with a praise on his lip, a, a song in his heart, a, a pep in his step, and he was so optimistic that it annoyed those around him, no doubt. Have you ever been around somebody that's such a pessimist that uh, just by somebody being positive, it triggered them? I mean, it made them angry. What you so happy about? Amen. And, and you know, sometimes we allow the, uh, uh, the, the external stuff that's chaotic in our lives uh, to determine the bend and shape and direction of our inner parts, our mind and our heart and and our thinking and like uh, you, you want to think about it like the winds and the waves that push a boat around we're out there and I, the boat is symbolic of our emotions our spirit our our frame of thought uh, amen that's what the boat symbolizes the wind and the waves symbolize the chaos around us and if we're not careful, we'll let the storm be the boss in our spirit and determine our direction by allowing it to manipulate our emotions, our thoughts, and our spirit. But God wants to teach us how to maintain an excellent spirit no matter what the circumstance. If you're with me, say amen. And so God wants us to have a predictable Excellence. In other words, can God trust you with trouble? Are you the kind of Christian that if God needed you to go into uncharted territory and with many problems that persist, can He trust you to keep your head on your shoulders? Can He trust you to keep your cool? Can He trust you to live for Him anyway? Can He trust you not to compromise to try to make it more comfortable for you in your trial? Can He trust you not to make a deal with the devil to get out of the cross that God called you to bear? Can He trust you to maintain an excellent spirit regardless of the pressures that persist in your life? So it starts with your spirit. It starts right there. And you need to understand this. You need to know that you can have a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. You need to know that you can have a peace that surpasses and is better than even having the understanding or knowing the why. You need to know that greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. You need to know that you are more than a conqueror in your spirit than he that is in the world and the things that are around you. The God that is inside of you is bigger than the circumstances that surround you today. I'm talking about uh, uh, becoming predictable with our excellence. Amen. Uh, I'm talking about God needs some soldiers. Uh, you know, they train uh, uh, our military well in the United States. And, uh, and if they really got a tough job, they'll send in the Marines. Am I, am I right? Say amen. Why is that? Because Marines go through more extensive training under more extensive circumstances. And when they need a tough job done right, they send in the best. 
Amen. You know what God's raising up amongst us? Those that are tempered in the fires of adversity. Those that can keep, take a licking and keep on ticking for Jesus. Those that can be run down, talked about, ridiculed, scoffed and mocked uh, and still keep their shoulders back and head, hang, uh, uh, head toward heaven singing oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound uh, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, uh, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Uh, don't let the devil keep you down. Amen. Uh, don't even let him see you sweat as one preacher would would say, uh, you just keep on praising the Lord uh, through thick, through thin, when you're up, when you're down, uh, when you're hurt, when you're feeling good, when you're sick, when you're well, uh, and be predictable as the, as the uh, not as the weather, be predictable as the seasons. Just as summer, uh, uh, summer, winter, fall, and spring come around like clockwork. Amen. Not necessarily in that order. God wants you to be predictable with an excellent spirit. It's rock solid. All right, so number one, we answered the question, what is the place for excellence? But now let's go to question number two. What produces an excellent spirit? Well, if you go to Daniel chapter 5 and verse number 12, we'll gain some insight that I think will help us with this question. He said, for as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation. Look at all of the wisdom and spiritual insight and spiritual gifting that God placed upon Daniel. Even the ability to interpret dreams, uh, to solve riddles basically, to dissolve doubts. Uh, he was a man full of faith. I, we need some doubt dissolvers in the house of God today. Amen. We need people that know how to nip it in the bud. When somebody raises a doubt, uh, you raise a faith. When somebody raises a question, you give an answer. Amen. Uh, and you don't let the devil have the last say. Uh, you're always following up with uh, uh, thus saith the word of the Lord you're always following up with uh, it is written if you're with me say amen but what produces excellence well uh, where did Daniel get all of this uh, ability from whom and where uh, from where did Daniel gain his knowledge his understanding his interpreting dreams his explaining hard sayings his dissolving that's all of this where did he get it from well the answer is the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Amen? We get it from the Spirit of God and the Word of God. You cannot maintain an excellent spirit without a real walk with God. You're going to have to learn how to spend some time at Jesus' feet on a regular basis. Why did David pray, create within me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me? Why does the Bible teach us that the Word is, the, is, is like the washing of the water to, to cleanse our mind, our thinking, to renew our mind daily? Because we get dirty in our spirit. We get nasty in our spirit. We get fouled up and thinking wrong in our spirit. And God wants us to learn how to get a daily dose of cleansing 
at the feet of Jesus so that our spirits stay in tune with the Spirit of God. As long as we're connected to and in tune with the voice of God, we can see our way through any thicket that life throws at us. We can see our way through any cloud of depression, dark days in our lives. God can help us as long as we spend adequate time at Jesus' feet. But it's when we <clears throat> allow too much time to pass between the last time we was at His feet and this time is when the, the days get darker, our attitudes start stinking, and all of a sudden we need revival. Amen? And what is God after? He's looking for Christians that are... Uh, Steady, strong in their faith, in their walk with the Lord. And I want to salute you. Many of you this morning uh, have already learned a lot of this. And you're like me. You uh, probably have your better days and sometimes your worst days. But I see some of you that have soldiered a lot of storms. And you're soldiering some this morning. And, 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 and I recognize that. And I see that. And I'm proud. And I'm honored to be amongst the ranks of some of God's finest and choicest servants uh, who have weathered the storms and you're still in the fight and you haven't quit and, and you don't understand why but you know who and that's good enough for you until the storm passes by you know who's holding you through and I thank God for your example this morning and I just want to fan your flame and encourage you to keep on keeping on because one day paydays are coming child of God what produces the spirit of excellence? Well, it's the spirit of God. And it's the word of God. In Daniel chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15, we see that. Uh, it reads, I have even heard of thee that the spirit of the God, this is the king talking, uh, he, he was ignorant, he was, uh, he was a pagan, he didn't understand that there was only really one true God. So his only reference was uh, uh, God's. Uh, but this is what he said. I have even heard of thee that the spirit of the gods is in thee and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise man, the astrologers have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known unto me the interpreting thereof. But they could not show the interpretation of the thing. The king's brightest and best sorcerers and all them people, they couldn't hold a candle to the light that was in Daniel. And I'm serving, I'm serving a God today that can give you wisdom beyond your years. He can give you light when nobody else knows what to say or do. Uh, you can go to your best sources for the best advice, and they come up empty. But you go before the presence of the Lord, and He gives you something that nobody else can give you. And he can keep your heart in tune, your spirit in an excellent condition where you're not all getting all fouled up and angry and bitter all the time, amen, and twisted up and... And I know the trials of life make it very difficult sometimes. It's, it doesn't take us but one quick aggravation at a red light with somebody in front of us who won't move when it turns green to get us all fouled up out of shape. Somebody say amen. Much less the trials of life. But how can we discipline our spirit to not be so quick and rash to just change temperature, to change direction? How can we stay solid? How can we stay of an excellent spirit? Well, it's going to have to come from the Spirit of God. It's going to have to come from the Word of God. And if you're not reading it, if you're not digesting it, if you're not studying it, if you're not meditating upon it, uh, it does no good to read it if you don't meditate. Amen. <laughs> reading the Bible without meditating, amen, is like, is, is like taking a bath with a rubber suit on. Amen. If it ain't penetrating the skin, it ain't doing no good. If you, uh, 
if you read your Bible but you're not meditating, it's not really sinking down in. God wants it to be saturated in your spirit. So sometimes you've got to slow down. If you want my best advice for you on how much Bible you should read, here's my best advice for you. You ready for this? You read until the Holy Spirit makes something jump out on you and then you meditate on that until he says move on. And I don't, take, I don't care if you meditate on one verse for a year. If you soak all up what God has to show you in a verse in a year, you've done more than most Christians have. Because this word is so expansive and so powerful. You can take one verse and God, there's so much revelation in it and there's layers and, of, and levels of understanding and truth depending on where you are with God. Uh, God has something to say to every level of Christian, no matter what class you're in, whether you're in kindergarten or grad school. Come, somebody say amen this morning. God has something to say, but you've got to read it so that, and then stop and pause and think on the things that stands out to you and let the Lord really soak it into your spirit and teach you some things. And when we do that, we begin to absorb the excellence that comes from the Spirit of God. Let me ask you a question. How excellent is God's Spirit? Since how He's in control. Since how He's perfect and there's nothing to change about Him because you don't need to change perfection. How excellent is the Spirit of God? Is God topsy-turvy and emotionally bankrupt? Does God get pushed around by change of circumstances or is He solid? He's solid as a rock, isn't He? Well, that's the spirit he wants to pervade your, the privacy of your own thought life. The privacy of your own heart. He wants you to be as sure of his word as he is of his word. God changes not because he's perfect and everything he says is right. And if it wasn't right before, it's right when he says it. It becomes right. Somebody say amen. Alright, God's solid. He has no reason to change and He speaks only truth. And how are we so quick to divert from what He says when circumstances paint a picture that looks like it contradicts what God said? We've got to be solid. You can't, what, did, what, did, what did the uh, Abraham do? The father of faith. He staggered not, the Bible said, at the promise of God. His own body being dead pretty much. Amen. And his wife, they're in their 90s and 100s, whatever. And here they are having a baby. My goodness, I'm 44 and I wouldn't want to start over with a child. I love my boys. I'm just glad y'all came when you did. Amen. <laughs> y'all been hard on me. No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> he staggered not. Didn't even flinch. Now that's now, for, for him to do that for as many years as he did it. And I think it's, fun, it's interesting that there's one season in Abraham's life that the book of Hebrews does not talk about. Is when Abraham's wife said, hey, we've run out of time. Here's my handmaid. You better have a child by her. If it's going to happen, it ain't going to happen through me, bud. And Abraham, in a moment of weakness, fell for it. It's interesting that God never referenced that moment that appears to us that he staggered. Because in Hebrews, I think it was Hebrews, is it not where it says he staggered not? Well, I thought he staggered. Which is it? Faith is the righteousness of God. 
faith is representing, it said he counted it to him for righteousness so that even that sin of doubt was off the record in the eye of God. Boy, ain't that good. Just trust him. If you'll trust him, all those doubts, those past doubts, even those current doubts will just dissipate in the presence of faith in God. I'm talking about maintaining an excellent spirit and we've got to get that from the Lord because it can come from no one else. I know no one else more solid, more right, more tender when I need a tender touch, amen, more comforting when I need a comforting touch, amen, and more correcting when I need correction. And it's right every time than my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I mean, He's perfect. He's absolutely awesome. He is he is the wonder of wonders. He's the wonder of the ages. Amen. Uh, they ain't nobody like him as uh, brother, old brother Larry Brown used to preach. Amen. Uh, our Lord and our King, our Savior, our Master, He is perfect and excellent in everything that He says and does. And so if we're going to have an excellent spirit, we're going to have to let His Spirit invade ours and take over. So we know what then produces the spirit of excellence. Now let me get to my message and I'll try to wrap this up. Answer uh, question number three. How can we maintain predictable excellence? Note, the king predicted Daniel's future excellence based on his past and present track record. I just want you to notice that. The reason... The, the king knew that David would do well is because he saw what he did well through up to that point. He saw him living right when everybody else was living wrong. He saw him maintain an attitude of gratitude and an excellent spirit when everybody else was foul-mouthed and grumbling and whining and complaining. And he was the one that got the promotion because he was the one that maintained consistency throughout the process. The king noticed. And, and, and God predicted that Job would pass his test, did he not? You remember when Satan brought up, I know the Lord brought up Job before Satan? Hast thou considered my servant Job? God's like, and I know I'm paraphrasing, but would you allow me the liberty without calling me a heresy, heretic? Uh, it's, it's almost as if God was saying, I've, uh, Satan, I've got a pet project. I got somebody that's so predictably excellent in spirit that not even you can get them down. And I want to show off how loyal my servant is to me. And I want to show off my glory through the work that I've done in his heart and the excellent spirit that is unstoppable that I put in him. I believe in essence that was what's going on. Why else would God allow Job to go through that season. Sometimes it's not that God needs, I don't think God sends tests to us to see what we're made of. I think God sends tests to us to show us what we're made of and what we need to work on. Because we are disillusioned by our comforts. When all is going well, and there's no reason to question the strength of our faith, we assume in our religious pious that we are full of faith until a trial comes and then all of a sudden back up buddy I got some learning to do 
And it's not that God didn't know that. It's that you and I need to be aware of our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses and our tendencies uh, to go astray. And we need to be more solid and predictable and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The Lord needs you to be convinced that your faith will stand trial. So what does He do? He puts you through trial and He walks with you through it and He coaches you along the way and there are seasons even that He'll go silent and not say a single word. And step back. Not, not, not for, not, he, he doesn't draw His presence from you but He draws his recognized presence from you. He puts you in a place where you don't recognize him when he is at work. Because that's where real faith is put to the test. Not when you can see and predict and know, but faith is not sight. For if it was of sight, then it would not need to be of faith. So he has to put us in a predicament where we can't see or know for sure the outcome. So we have to trust the one who is pulling us through that process. And in that process of trial and tribulation, what God is doing is He's coaching us along the way and teaching us through experience and circumstance how to trust Him even when it don't look good, even when it don't look right, even when it seems unfair, even when it seems even cruel and unusual punishment sometimes. It, it seems like, Lord, why I've, all I've done is tried to serve You. I don't know why this storm has come into my life, but you need to know that God tests all of His children. Not so much for His knowledge, but for your teaching. He's too gracious to us to leave us alone in our uh, ignorance of what we need to be worked on. And so He has to show it to us. How many of you have thick heads and it, it's the school of hard knocks that does your best teaching? Be honest with you. Let me raise your hand. Amen. Well, that's, that's like most of us. That's like most of us. You know why we need trials? Because it gets our attention. It gets us on the front seat, sitting on the edge of our seat, paying close, because as soon as we get out of this test, we're ready to get out. Amen. And so it puts us in a posture of listening and learning. And next thing you know, God's teaching you uh, putting you in situations where it requires you to know how to love your enemy and do good to those which hate you and hate you amen love those which hate you do, do good to those which despitefully use you and persecute you and all of a sudden you're blessing people that are cussing you out all of a sudden nothing can keep you down what taught you that it came from the spirit of god but it had to be introduced through the test and the trial so you would know what you got whenever trials come and then next time a trial comes, uh, 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 you'll, you'll end up saying somewhere along the journey, devil, you've got to do better than that. I, this is not my first rodeo. Uh, this is, uh, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I've already come. And yeah. it's grace that brought me safe thus far. And guess what, old devil? Grace is going to lead me on home. Uh, you're going to have to do better than that to kick me out. Amen. That's where God wants you. That's where God wants me. Not fickle spineless Christianity that runs at the first sight of trouble, but those who are steadfast and unmovable, amen, as we've preached already. How can we then maintain a predictable excellence? 
Number one, stick to the script. Somebody say amen. <laughs> like Jesus in the wilderness, when Satan come and tempted him, it is written. It is written. It is written. You know what temptation is? Temptation is nothing more and nothing less than the devil enticing you with an alternative to God's will. And making it look so close to you and so appealing to you that many fall to its devices. But God wants you to learn that man doesn't live by bread alone what the devil can put in your hand. But by every word of God. What if what the devil puts in your hand causes you to violate the word of God? Then you can't have it. Starve if you must. You cannot compromise the word of God. Jesus was not going to partake at Satan's table uh, for a loaf of bread simply because Jesus was hungry. Jesus was on a much higher plane than to feed the belly. And we should be on a much higher plane than to tend to the comforts and conveniences of this old flesh. Amen. And we need to get past ourselves past the comforts and conveniences of this old flesh and be willing to walk into hostile territory and do the work of God at any cost because our Savior is worthy and if we'll keep an excellent spirit, we can do it through Christ. Oh yes, we got to stick with the script. Just focus on what God said. Don't veer off not one little sick. I don't care what the devil's whispering in your ear. I don't care what your wife tells you. I don't care what your co-worker tells you. Somebody say amen. I don't even care what the preacher tells you. If you don't line up with that book, you stick with the book. Amen. But you stick with the script if you're going to maintain a predictable excellence. Because only God has a perfect track record. And only His Word is 100% true 100% of the time. Stick with the script. Second thing, be courageous in conflict. Like Daniel who prayed three times a day and they told on Daniel, they had him thrown in the lion's den. You remember the story? Slept like a baby while God shut the mouth of the lions. Amen. He was courageous. He didn't let the threat stop him from serving God. It's interesting to me this a brand of Christianity that we have today where people will do surveys on how dangerous it is to serve God where they are thinking about serving Him. I and if the danger level is too high, then they will opt out for that and go for a, a safer haven to serve God. Where is that in the New Testament? In the New Testament, I see where the Holy Ghost said, Go, and they went. In peril or not. The question is not how dangerous is it. The question is, did God say go? Because I promise you, God has a way of protecting you better than any of your plans or, or anybody else's plans to either protect you or hurt you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I'm talking about being uh, predictably excellent. Just, you know, let come what may. I know where God called me. I know what God told me to do. I know it looks rough right now, but just give God a little bit of time. It's going to all work out in the end because God said it. That settles and I'm going to believe it and I'm going to stick with the script. I'm going to maintain the courage through this storm. I'm not going to let it back me down. I'm not going to let it talk me out of doing what God's called me to do. Amen. We've got to have courage uh, to take the risk that we inc incur when we decide to move forward for God. 
Washington Heights Baptist Church, never be afraid to follow the voice of God under any circumstances. Daniel was strong in his storm because he was courageous in his conflict. Lastly, I want to say this, you've got to be consistent in your resolve and in your expectations. Like the three Hebrew boys, uh, they told that king, he said, look, now if you don't bow, we're going to fix and fry you like a sausage. I know I'm paraphrasing again. They said, oh, king, we're not careful to answer thee. They said, we're not going to bow. God's going to deliver us. But even if he don't, we're still not going to bow. Now then, mm, put that in your pipe and smoke it, right? They weren't worried. Why weren't they worried? Because they had read the scripture. And they read where God delivered his people time after time after time. They had such faith that God would do it for them that they went ahead and assumed he'd do it. Well, if he did it before, why wouldn't he do it for me? I'm, I'm trusting him too. They trusted him got deliverance. I can trust him and get deliverance. They said, but nevertheless, even if he don't, we st he's still worthy of my praise. Like, a, like a Esther, when she went before the king, uh, she said, if I perish, I perish. Amen. What if God don't deliver you? Will you still serve him? What if God don't answer your prayer the way you asked him to? Will you still serve him? I'm talking about an excellent spirit that don't waver, that's consistent, that's not tossed about by every wind. Somebody say amen. How do we maintain this? We've got to be courageous. We've got to stick to the script and we've got to be consistent in our resolve to not waver. Uh, we illustrate in conclusion Ephesians 4.14, the Bible said that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine or every wind of instruction, learning and teaching by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. He's wanting the church to be solid in their doctrine so that they're not swept away by false teaching. But did you know there are doctrines of devils that come to you and tell you something that's contrary to the Word of God? Kind of like the serpent did with Eve in the garden. Yea, hath God said. Oh, all he had to do is drop a little question mark where God put a period and Eve stone off. Ain't that what he does to you in your trial? When you sacrifice something for God and then it gets worse instead of better, oh, you must, did God really tell you that? You must have missed God. Trying to get you off your mission. <clears throat> Whoever said that serving God would make every pathway smooth? If they told you that, they lied to you. In fact, you're asking, you're signing up for conflict when you serve God it's not going to get better it's going to get worse I just need to go ahead and prepare you for it right now it's going to, you're going to have your good days yes but you're going to have some tough days now but you're going to have to have some thick skin and you're going to have to have a soft heart that's tender toward the Holy Spirit of God and you're going to have to have a predictable excellence that you're not wavered you're not changed by every uh, gossip session that you end up in intentionally or not when somebody 
has something negative to say about uh, what, the, what the church is doing and God's moving, but somebody's running their mouth and trying to destroy the spirit of unity. Hopefully that's not going on in this church, but I'm just throwing it out there so that you'll be prepared in case something does happen like that. You'll be equipped to know how to handle it. You don't pay it no mind. You just let it go in one ear and out the other. Don't let it sink into your spirit. You focus on what God said, what God's doing. Maintain an excellent spirit and go right on for the glory of God. Amen. You got to be consistent, amen. And uh, this this uh, wind that it talks about in Ephesians chapter four and verse fourteen, it, it, it gives you the idea as we illustrated earlier how the wind can just throw us around sometimes, and the devil comes sometimes will try to get you off your faith because here here is a verse that talks about those doctrines of devils. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. What did it say that their intent was to do to get them to depart from the what? The faith. Now in literal context that's talking about apostasy. But in practical context for you and I how many times do doctrines of devils come up to rob us of our faith in God for the impossible? Oh, we, we'll always believe in Jesus till I, till I die and breathe my last breath. I'm the Lord. I'm never going to doubt my Lord. I'm never going to doubt my Savior. But will you doubt Him in your circumstances? Will you doubt that He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think? Or are you allowing the devil to talk you right out of anything and everything you've ever even thought about or remotely dreamed about believing God for? I believe we live today... In a, in a dreamless church culture by large. What I mean by that is they don't dream big anymore. They don't believe God can do it anymore. They say this is the lay of the say in church age and it is what it is and people are falling out by the wayside and it's not going to get any better. It's just going to get worse and we might as well just hang up our hat and give up the idea of church explosion, church growth uh, unless we compromise and do, go the way of the world then we could pack the house. Amen. Uh, but most people today they're not dreaming and believing God anymore because doctrines of devils have come in and robbed them of their excellent spirit. Uh, did I tell you the story one time about this? Uh, I was up preaching. I was young and ambitious, and I was sometimes I preached stuff I heard and I didn't check it with the Bible. Don't don't frown on me. A lot of preachers are guilty of that at first. Hopefully, they learn better as they grow. Amen. I heard this preacher say this, and I repeated. I said, uh, "If you'll treat your wife like the woman you want her to be, she'll soon become that woman." It sounded good to me, but it went in the Bible. I just said it because it sounded good. About that time, an old country man in the 70s spoke up and said, Dear Lord, how long is that going to take? <laughs> Apparently, he'd been trying for a long time. And I say that in jest. But you know where we're at sometimes in our faith? How long is this going to take? I've been believing God. It ain't happened, so I might as well just give up. See, that's where your faith just died. Never does God give us permission to drop our faith. If I die not having received the promise, then does that make my faith false or null or void? Absolutely not. What I have learned is that God honors your faith in Him, 
Not your faith in your circumstance. Not your faith that things will turn out the way you hope they do. But your faith in the one that controls it all. If you'll just believe God and stand firm and keep that excellent spirit. Don't let the devil rob you of faith and hope for a better future for yourself, for your kids, for your church, for this community, for this country, might I say. I know it looks bad, but listen, uh, it's not over yet. Jesus hasn't split the eastern sky yet until he does. There's work to do. Amen. We might as well dream big and believe God and don't let the devil rob us of that excellent spirit. Mm. Hallelujah. I know I've got to wrap this up. Give me a second. The word wind in Ephesians 4 is also used in the following passages to illustrate that it is a contrary wind meant to cause you to get off course or depart from the faith. Such as in Matthew 14, verse 24, you remember when Peter was walking on the water. Uh, the Bible said, gave us the condition of the setting in verse 24. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. That's the same word used in Ephesians 4. Then verse 30, but when he, Peter, saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. What happened? He got his eyes off Jesus, got his eye on the storm. All of a sudden, that spirit of excellence and faith in Christ just vanished. He allowed the external circumstances to rob him of where excellence lives, which is in your heart and mind and spirit. Since we're talking about boats, as long as the water that's outside of the boat don't fill up the inside of the boat, it can still float. Amen. As long as your external circumstances don't get you all twisted up inside, you're going to make it. You keep your head clear. You keep your faith solid. Amen. Verse 31, Immediately Jesus stretched His hand and caught Him and said unto Him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? This is a question which I believe being uh, reworded could be said, how did you end up in the place of doubt? Maybe it would be asked this way, how did doubt end up in your sacred place? How did doubt replace your excellent spirit and faith in me? How did this circumstance all of a sudden look bigger to you than the one standing right here in front of you walking on the water proving that he's able to do anything? But in our human element, because our flesh is vulnerable to the element, sometimes we allow our flesh to dictate our spirit and let it, instead of the Word of God and the Spirit of God dictating our spirit. And so, Matthew 14, 32, it said when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. We know the master of the wind. We know the master of the sea. We know he's capable. Remember my proposition that when you're predictably excellent, you're also predictably promoted? Well, uh, that, that proves true. In Matthew 7, verse 25, this is the last verse I'm going to read. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. You can look at Daniel. We've talked about Daniel. You can look at the three Hebrew 
boys. We've talked about them. You could look at Job. We never even talked about Joseph. Don't have time for that. But look at all these examples who went through great trial and tribulation. But in the end, they won. In the end, they were promoted. In the end, God blessed. I remember Job ended up with twice as much as he had before. Nobody saw that coming. And I want you to know this morning, if you'll maintain an excellent spirit that is a predictable spirit uh, that people know that 20 years from now, if you're still alive and breathing and Jesus hasn't come back, they'll know where you're at on Sunday morning. Amen. Uh, They'll know what you're supposed to be about because you're predictably excellent. And I thank God for those Christians who are steadfast and unmovable. And God is calling all of us into that place. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you stand to your feet for just a few moments? Joe's coming to play a song of invitation. You may need to come pray. I know I've been a little long preaching. I appreciate your patience. I really love you for that. But preaching the sermon is kind of like birthing a baby. You don't want to get halfway through and quit. Amen. Not, not when the Spirit is speaking. Thanks. Thank you for your attention. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a minute. You might be in here this morning and you needed this word of encouragement. Maybe you've been down. Maybe you've gotten all fouled up about things you don't understand. And you love the Lord. It's never, that's never been the question. You just understand. And you've been hurt. You've been disappointed that things didn't turn out or haven't yet turned out the way you need them to. And some of you are probably crying out of desperation. It's not that. It's not even a selfish thing that you're asking. You're just asking for relief. You're just asking for comfort and you don't understand why it's not coming. You're you're, kind of in that turmoil that, that Peter was in when the Lord was asking him to serve himself to the world through preaching the gospel. Peter already knew it was prophesied that he would be crucified. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And it was a heavy question. Peter knew the implications of the answer to that question. And he started off soft. But he had to fully commit and eventually surrender. Say, Lord, no matter what, I love you and I'll feed your sheep. Historians tell us that he loved the Lord so much that he didn't even count himself worthy to be crucified in the same fashion as his Lord. So he requested to be crucified upside down. That's the same Peter that was tossed in the storm. Shifted. Sifted, rather. Sifted. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith fell not. And you think that because you've shifted in the sift that your faith failed. Oh, no. But there's a seed in you that's placed there by the power of the Holy Ghost that cannot deny itself and even when we doubt he remaineth faithful he cannot deny himself I'm telling you Jesus is going to bat for you he can restore unto you the joy of your salvation he can put a song back in your soul would you come and praise him this morning and let him restore an excellent spirit in you today Father I thank you for the word of God I thank you for the spirit of God speaking this powerful word to us today. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be in that place where we are predictably excellent. Lord, that you can, and I know, Lord, it's not the arm of the flesh. I know that. It's not what I'm saying, but, but that you could trust us with trouble because we trust you in trouble. And Lord, if there's one here today that's wavering, God, would you strengthen them?
Would you encourage them? Would you breathe a breath of fresh life into them and reassure them with your presence and your comfort that you're holding their hand all the way through? That no matter what, they can keep their song, they can keep their joy, they can keep their happiness, they can keep their commitment. They don't have to sacrifice that excellent spirit just because everything around them has gone crazy. And I do pray, Father, that when the time is right, that you'd speak peace to their storm, bring them into their desired haven, and we'll thank you and we'll trust you for the end result. We love you. In Jesus' name, God's children say amen.